Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Hello and welcome to the Evan Witt Podcast. I am Evan Witt. I want to thank you all for listening to the Evan Witt Show. Uh, you know, lots going on in sports. you got the Milwaukee Bucks continuing to hold that one seed, even with a tough loss uh, past two games. Milwaukee Brewers spring training underway. The NFL Combine just wrapping up. And the uh, the, the Combine, lots of uh, great uh, great coming out of it if you are – looking for to improve your team at the edge, at the wide receiver, at the tight end. Um, corner is pretty strong. And, um, you know, just a lot of lot going on in the world of sports. And we are on the road to WrestleMania for those that are professional wrestling fans. And in a little bit, I'm going to have Chief Meteorologist from Channel 58 in Milwaukee, Drew Bogorn, coming on to talk a little bit of weather. Um, get a little bit of insight on what's going on with uh, this winter that doesn't seem to want to end as we are in March and it's still bitterly cold um, here in the upper Midwest with, you know, who knows when it's going to finally warm up. And we're going to talk a little bit of weather and uh, get his take and his thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, season and how how far he feels the Milwaukee Bucks can possibly go in this uh 2018-19 uh, NBA season, but first jumping to the NFL scouting combine, and there are a lot of things I like that I want to take out of it. I like the, you know, well, first, NFL combine, because I see a lot of people on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media going berserk, going uh, super, super happy, go lucky with these numbers that people are doing at the combine with the 40s and the the, the broad jump, the shuttle run, the the vertical jump, the measurements, the bench press, all this stuff. And here's the thing you got to remember about the combine. It, it It's really not – it's just a piece of the puzzle. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the, you know, determining if these players are going to be great players or not because there's a lot of guys who have put up great numbers at the combine, Matt Jones, anybody, Mike Mamula, anybody, that have come to not have um, good NFL careers. This is just to show people's athleticism. But at the end of the day, I, I guarantee you the, the front offices in the NFL, they just use the combine for what it is, a tool. Um, you know, they, they use it to get to know, to meet these prospects face-to-face, to schedule interviews, to, to put them through tough questions as we heard uh, Polite from Florida talk about how they're grilling him with some of his uh, decision-making and his, quote, poor, uh, poor plays that he might have had. You know, this is a way for these guys to get to know these prospects and the, the on-the-field stuff is just a piece of it. You know, don't get too worked up over what you're seeing at the combine. Yes, DK Metcalf 
completely tore it up at the combine. Bosa, Burns, Oliver, um, they all tore it up at the combine. Okay, we get that. But take it for what it is. This is the, quote, underwear Olympics. That's what a bunch of people refer to it as. This isn't going to make people shoot up people's draft boards for the most part or drop too much in their draft boards. And for the scouts, for the draft, quote, experts, what the combine does, it's going to give people an opportunity to say, hmm, maybe I need to look at this guy a little more on film. You know, an example of that for me in this draft, two guys is Devin White and Brian Burks. I need to go back and watch him on film a little bit. The same with uh, – with Sweat from Mississippi State after his combine. i got to go back and watch his film a little bit. Um, Josh Allen, uh, Metcalf as well. You know, see see what is there. See if, you know, what I think of the film um, a little bit more. So that's all it's going to do for me. And for most people, you know, we're not going to write people off because they had a poor combine. Polite, yes, had a poor combine. But his film doesn't lie. And... That's where ultimately these personnel people grade these guys is their film. They watch the film, and that's what they determine. So guys who I really enjoy, who I would, wouldn't mind seeing in green and gold, this, uh, who I've watched a lot of film on in the combine, really, uh, you know, want, you know, wants to give, help give me a second look at them, T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Faint, Devin Bush, inside linebacker from Michigan, Brian Burns, Rashawn Gary, Ed Oliver, um, tackle from Alabama. Uh, you know, I really enjoy him. I really enjoy uh, Jonah Williams, a tackle from Alabama. Um, Cody Ford, I like him. I like Jawan Taylor. Um, I'm very intrigued by him. Uh, the uh, Dalton uh, Dalton Risner, uh, lineman from Kansas State really interested in seeing more about him. You know, these are guys I think that can help the Packers immensely. I don't know who's going to fall to 12. I don't know who's going to fall to 30. But I'm going to say right now, if uh, Burns is there at 12, I wouldn't be surprised after what he did at the the combine and with his freak athleticism, what you see on tape, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers pounce on him. And, you know, don't let what Hello. Paul Reynolds did. Hey, Drew, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I was just talking quickly about the the combine really quick, and uh, you know, especially about Brian Burns, who I hear a lot of people complaining about. You know, Jamal Reynolds, who the Packers whiffed on over a decade ago. Oh, yeah. You know, people are like, "Well, no, you can't take him because of Jamal Reynolds." So I was just quickly giving my take there: is you can't let let Jamal Reynolds, an undersized defensive end, who would have been better suited in a three-four defense, what he didn't do. Uh, keep you away from uh, Brian Burns, and that's what, what I was just saying. So, first, I want to say thank you for uh, coming on and uh, uh, speak with me a little bit. Uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. Glad to uh, glad to talk. I mean, my goodness, there's so many positive things to uh, you know, to talk about, uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, it's definitely great, especially for Wisconsin sports, because not too long ago, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks were wishing the season would come to an end because it hasn't been that great of a season. Well, obviously expectations of, you know, really shot up with the Bucks, and then the Brewers are coming off the NLCS, and then 
Packers have a top uh, towards the top of the draft for the first time in a while, and you know it's getting everybody in there, uh, everybody super hyper, both good and bad. Because a lot of people saw what the Bucks did last night, which you know he lost to the Suns, and they're like, "Well, season's over, same old Bucks." Which you know, just yeah, fun. I don't, I just, I don't <laughs> understand all the all the panic. I mean, they're not on the West Coast. I mean, clearly they. You know, they kind of got out-hustled. I mean, it's not like they were down the whole game. I mean, I I don't know. I think there's still a lot of tinkering that's going on right now, and you've got some new faces, and I think they're just trying to find some different combinations while still trying to, like, limit Giannis's minutes, too. So, you know. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get some – they're trying to basically, I think, get their playoff rotation set, and they're also trying to give guys reps uh, to get their legs ready for – the grind that is the NBA playoffs. I, you know, I know the first, uh, I think the first two rounds seem to take three months, but still they're trying to get the players' legs ready for the playoffs. And you know, five day road trip for the games out on the West Coast. I think it was. You know, you're going to have games like this, and the Bucks weren't going to go 82 games without losing back to back. And they're not getting you know, the Suns for whatever reason. Play the Bucks tough. That's just one team that seems to have their number. Well, and the good news is you'll never see him, you know, really get in the playoffs. So you don't have to worry about no. that. Yeah, the only time you got to worry about the Suns again uh, is until next season. And once you play them twice, you wouldn't have to worry about them until the NBA Finals. But the way the Suns are looking, uh, for the most part, you aren't going to see that in probably the next five to seven years before they're legit playoff contenders, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It's um... – some home cooking for the Bucks coming up will be will be good, and you know they they love Fiserv, and you know it's a great atmosphere. And probably going forward, I would think that you know I mean they're going to get you know a lot of sellouts or at least you know close to close to full houses there as we approach the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, you know, coming into the year, everyone well you know a lot of people not everyone were. You know, the Bucks need to uh, win a first-round playoff series. If they can win a first-round playoff series, then I'll see them legit. And then as the season has gone on, it's, well, this is Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals or bust for the for the Bucks. And I think looking at – and it all depends on the playoff matchup, especially if you're going to get the winner of the Boston. You know, if the 4-5 is Boston and Philly – if you're going to get the winner of that series, that could, you know, hinder your chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals because they're both two really good teams, but they might wear each other out in that first round. But, you know, I, I see no issue with the Bucks getting to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. But I'm not going to sit here and say it was a failed season if they if they don't get that far. But where do you put the 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 ceiling on this Bucks season? Well, I I agree with you. I, it's it's kind of like house money like it was with the Brewers last year, right? You know, the, the Brewers got in, and obviously, you know, their record isn't as impressive as, you know, what the Bucks have done, but there still were a lot of, you know, feelings, you know, amongst uh, Brewer fans where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, win a, you know, win a series, and, you know, and then it's all good, you know, good from there. I... I think at this point, with the moves that the Bucks have made, um, there's no reason that they can't go far, you know, in, in the East. I mean, I, I would think they should be able to take care of business quickly 
in the, in the first round, and maybe they get a little rest. And like you said, maybe some teams beat up on each other, um, you know, and they have to, you know, and they really expend a lot of, a, a lot of energy. I mean, I, I think at this point, um, it, it um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm putting my expectations higher, but let's say they get bounced after the second round or, you know, get into, um, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals and, and lose. I still think it's a, it's a great season. I, I think they're, they're able to, you know, they've made some good moves, and I, I think they're going to be fine going forward. I, I'm, but I'll tell you this. I'm the type of fan this year, I don't really want to talk about, well, what's going to happen next year, Middleton and this person and this for Let's just enjoy it for what it is right now, you know. I don't know. I just want to kind of enjoy what they're doing and how this was put together by management, you know, specifically horse. And let's let's just see what happens. Hopefully they stay healthy. And I, this year I think they could they could make a real deep run. Yeah, I sound like a broken record here, but two seasons ago with the Brewers, I kept saying, you know, and then you know, especially when they started playing pretty well, is don't get too high on the high, don't get too low on the low. Right. I said it last year with the Brewers too. Don't go too high on the highs, don't do go too low on the lows. And once again the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't get too high when things are going well, don't get too low when things don't go well. And it's not like a broken record, but it seems like you know, I think Wisconsin sports, we've been kind of trained to fear the worst. Um, 2014 Packers comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, Badgers, the Badgers losing to Duke in the net championship game comes to mind. Right. Kentucky the year before. It's like we're – and then, you know, Denver and Green Bay Super Bowl. It's like we're, we're trained to, you know, fear the worst. But just enjoy the ride and enjoy the season. Enjoy what the Bucks are doing. Enjoy what the Brewers did and – what they might do again this year, which is going to be much tougher to accomplish with what the Reds and the, the Cardinals did this off season. But just enjoy the ride. That's all I have to say about you know regarding I, that. I agree. I also yeah. I I thought back when the Brewers lost, you know, um, in you know that last game of the uh, the playoffs, and yeah, I was disappointed. But you know what? It's not like I was heartbroken. I don't know. I, I just I, I thought they gave us all the wonderful drama. They gave us all these wonderful memories. Yeah, it would have been amazing to see them go to the World Series. But I don't know. I was while I was sad they didn't make it. I didn't I didn't sit there and get depressed for you know for a week. I thought, wow, this is um, this was an amazing ride, and it gave us the summer. Many of us gave us, you know, one of the summers of our lives because it was just so exciting. And so I kind of feel that way with uh, with the Bucks, and then going into this this season. I agree with you. Listen, I I'll go on the record and say ninety wins will get will get you the Central. Um, yeah. Just because these teams are all going to beat up on each other. I mean, listen, the Cubs couldn't hit last year. Um, they're loaded in their lineup, you know. Like you said, some uh, St. Louis is finally tired of being the redheaded stepchild. The last couple of years, they, you know, they made some good moves. They've got a good young, you know, pitching staff. I don't, I don't know what the Reds are doing. I don't know if they just need to get butts in their seats because it's been such a dreadful, pathetic product, you know. There, um, you know, and then the Pirates. If you think about the Pirates, I mean, 
they had the best record against, you know, the division. Um, you know, so, I mean, it very well could be a, a really good three to four team type of race. And so that's what I'm saying. 90 wins, it may get you the, it may get you the central. Yeah, and I'm I'm putting the Brewers right around between uh, I would say 90 to 92 wins right now, and if yeah. they do sign uh, Keichler from uh, Houston, if they get Dallas in, I think that could definitely push them closer to 92, 94 range. But I don't see 96 wins again this year, especially with the division. You know, the right. Pirates are who knows? They had a good right. run for a stretch last year before they paid it, and then Goldschmidt in St. Louis, who's a Brewer killer. Uh, yeah. Puig, among other pieces, and, and Cincinnati. And then, you know, the Cubs are also very hurt last year, too, especially in that starting rotation. You know, yep. the Cubs aren't going to go down without a fight. They didn't sign anybody due to, I guess, lack of money is what the the owner's saying. But yeah, that's right. I don't, that was a great quote. We don't have any more money. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just see the Central being a dogfight to the bitter end, which will only, I think, if the Brewers are able to – get to the playoffs, it's only going to help them come playoff time because they're going to be uh, well-fought, well-seasoned, uh, you know, come playoff time. I agree with you. It's going to be a lot of, you know, battle-tested divisional matches. Now, I will say this. The thing I don't like, they play way too many games the first month of the season against the Cardinals. I do not like that whatsoever. Um Cheap plug, by the way, uh, Weather Day, uh, CBS 58 Weather Day is on April 17th, um, which we put on, and that is against the Cardinals. So I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I like that part because we'll get a lot of people there, but that's a lot of that's a lot of games against that one team. And if for some reason the, the Brewers, you know, maybe just kind of, maybe not stumble, but maybe not have an amazing, you know, late March and, you know, into April – I just don't want them to be behind early, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you know, you can't win the division in April, in March, April, but you can definitely set yourself back and make it much more difficult for it. I don't want to yeah. say you can lose it in April. You know, right, people right. like to say you can't win it in April, but you can definitely lose it. I think I like to say is you can definitely make it a lot harder on yourselves in April. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you. One game's not going to make it or kill you, but you know after 162 is played, who knows? It could be that one game that you, uh, you know, your stud poser gave up a a rare, blew a rare save that ends up costing you. Right. Them. But Vegas, and you talked about weather, and I want to get to uh, some weather topics, you know, in a little, you know, in a bit, because you know a couple of things I'm kind of curious with, but you know. Back with the Brewers, what do you what do you see their biggest weakness being? Like I look at their starting rotation, and I'm I don't really know what it's going to look like, and I don't know if they can get through another 162 game season relying on, as they put it, outgetters. Yeah, I mean the outgetter thing, you know, can work in certain situations, and it worked very successfully for them. Um, you know, and I don't. I would say the greatest unknown, maybe maybe that's the way I want to put it, the greatest unknown, you know, for the Brewers, to me, um, you know, is is the starting rotation. Um, and part of that is also the bullpen because let's say Corbin Burns, you know, is, is one of our starters, which I, 
I would have no problem seeing. Um, you know, then you're taking a really, really solid arm, you know, out of the bullpen. I think Woodruff can challenge. I don't know where Jimmy Nelson is. I, Jimmy Nelson can be almost like a free agent acquisition if he turns out, you know, to be, you know, the Jimmy that we saw. I think Chase Anderson is Chase Anderson, and he had that one good year. Um, but he's always been prone to give up the long ball, and he's been doing it so far, um, you know, in, in spring training. Um, I just want to see how this whole thing shapes up. I mean, a guy like Zach Davies, okay. Um, he doesn't really, you know, doesn't really excite me a ton. You know, where's Peralta? I mean, is this guy coming in? I mean, is Chasin going to be the same guy that, you know, that, gave you all those innings and, and really was, you know, a stalwart for you last year. Obviously, you don't have Wade Miley, who turned out to be, you know, a, a, just a wonderful, um, you know, wonderful addition. So I think that, yeah, the starting pitching is the greatest unknown. Um, but as we know with Council, you know, I he doesn't – he's not looking for guys to go seven, eight, you know, even, you know, complete games. So maybe – you know, maybe I'm putting too much more concern about it, but I, I'm actually excited about it because I want to see how it all how it all shapes up. But I do feel we have a lot of young arms and guys that can come in and and start on this team today. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, Burns. I, I he strikes me as someone that has popular rotation stuff. Is this the year we see it? I don't know, but right. I don't think you horn him into the bullpen like you've done Josh Hader. I think, you know, Hader's got two really plus pitches, and that's about it. And you know, the reason why his pitches are so good is, you know, the less you see him, the better he gets. Right. Corbin, on the other hand, I look at him, and he's a guy I could see being a guy who can uh, be a front of the rotation start. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Nelson, and, you know, he can come back and be half of what he was before the injury you know, be like a solid four or five guy, you know, I think you're going to do yourselves a big uh, a big plus. And I don't know when we're going to see Jimmy Nelson. Will it be July? Will it be June? Right. Will it be May? I don't know. You know yeah, we don't know. We don't know. So, um, Brewers, Bucks, Packers, you know, they're still around, even, you know, the season's over, but Combine did just happen. Do you follow the NFL Combine, the Bucks? I know a lot of people – get excited for it. I I kind of do, kind of don't kind of thing. I'm yeah. more like with a grain of salt, but are you one of these that gets I'm, excited for it? Or No. no. I, truthfully, I think it's just become this NFL network love fest. Um, you know, guys sprinting, um, and, you know, at, getting asked stupid questions. Um, I just think it's another way for the NFL, to, you know, to make money. Um I, I hate to be negative, but, um, yeah, I really could care less. Um, I think you see a lot more on the senior ball. Um, these guys do their, their own workouts. Um, and quite frankly, what they put on tape, you know, during the year is, is pretty much what, you know, is what a good, what's going to get them drafted. Um, so, no, um, and I don't – right now, I'm, I'm more interested in free agency. I, I just were – we're not that far away from these rosters. I mean, there were a ton of moves today. I mean, we're, you know, there's 
guys like Landon Collins, you know, I mean, these uh, you know, safety would be you know, for the Packers that only 25, yeah, only 25. I mean, you think to yourself and go, man, you know, there's some of those guys out there um, that could immediately, immediately upgrade this team. And let's be honest, there's a lot of mediocrity, you know, on the Green Bay Packers. They were, they were exposed last year. They were not a good team. They were very dysfunctional. Um, and, um, you know, they, they need to quickly and, – and I, as a fan, I need to stop thinking about Aaron Rodgers' window. I think we're so conditioned with, well, you know, Aaron only has this amount. No, Brian Gutenkins needs to do it right. He needs to build a foundation for beyond that. Um, that, that that's what has to happen. And you know what? There's probably not going to be a real short-term fix for this team. I mean, they are grossly, grossly missing talent on the defensive side of the ball. And, um, and they need to absolutely gut some of these guys that are just, you know, hogging up big contracts, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. I mean, I, quite frankly, the only reason they signed Nick Perry back when he had that year was they, they had nobody else. They were desperate. Yeah. Um, and I don't want nobody on the market that, that year either. No, so it's like, well, we got to pay you market value. Oh, you had a really good last year your contract, and now, now you've got numbers. I mean, now they're considering. You know, I mean, he may not even be on, you know, this roster. You know, Clay Matthews, same deal. Randall Cobb, these guys that are sucking up a lot of money that are not, you know, performing. Um, I don't have the answer, but. They've got to hit it out of the park in both free agency and the draft, and they have what ten picks in the draft, so they could do yeah. some damage. I think they can. They can do some damage. You get yourself a couple more Jair Alexanders, guys that can start. Um, this team will be right back, you know, in the thick of it. But uh, to, to me, right now, they've got a lot of work. A lot of work that has to be done, and you know, last two years. I mean, just beyond, I'm sure, for you. I mean, I, you know, maybe we're just spoiled. It's okay. But it was awful. I mean, I, I, I got to the point where watching this team, I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, why am I even watching this? Yeah, for me, if it wasn't for the fact that I was talking about, you know, doing this, you know, podcast or whatever, there, I probably would have turned it off. This was not a good year. You know, the, the one that Nice thing with the NFL, and yes, the Packers have a lot of holes they got to fix, but the nice thing with the NFL is you've seen it happen a lot. You've seen teams go from worst to first. Yes. So that's the one You're right. thing. Now, they do, have, they do need a lot of work, and, of course, when you do have a, a talent like Aaron Rodgers, if he's bought in, um, obviously you can improve even quicker. But, yeah, as you said, they got to nail these picks, and, Thompson's drafting and his avoidance of anything remotely involving street free agents that weren't having R's after their name, um, yep. undrafted R after their name, um, yep. that really hurt the Packers. And then keeping McCarthy probably two, three years too long as well when you could tell yep. towards the end of the broken collarbone year, which was hard to ga- gauge anything because you didn't have your quarterback. Right. 
that it seemed like the team was starting to, uh, you know, stop listening, stop paying attention to him. But sure. I, I see with, you know, Packers having so many holes and, you know, a lot of guys, well, Packers got to go get this guy in Landon College. They got to go get this guy in, if he was on the market, the Marcus Lawrence or Javion Clowney. These sure, guys, sure. Or Antonio Brown or uh, Le'Veon Bell. If the Packers were a guy away from be- reaching the Super Bowl, I would be say right. by all means go and do it. But with all right. that they need, I want Goot to sign free agents, uh, but I also don't want him to throw around stupid money. You know? Yeah, and I don't, I don't see him doing that. I mean, you have glaring, you have glaring weaknesses down on the right side of the line. I mean, really, I. It, if I'm the general manager, I'm fortifying the defensive line and the offensive line. I think you got yeah. enough talent on offense. Um, you know, I, I, I really do. I, I think, you know, but you got to – Rodgers, he's gone back to holding the ball too long, you know, and hopefully they can, they can get that back to where it needs to be. But the fact that he's – I mean, this guy's getting hit and hit and hit. Um, I mean, he's one of the highest sack guys – you know, this year, you can't have that. You just can't. So, um, you know, you do have holes, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. You need pass rushers. You need, you know, someone to solidify, you know, the back end of of the secondary. So, yeah, uh, but I'm with you. I mean, listen, if there's kind of a young up-and-coming guy that you can, you know, that you can sign, that you know, that would be worth it. Absolutely. If there's a, a guy high on their board, that they can draft, that they feel, oh, man, this cat can come in here and, and make a difference. Listen, I wouldn't be opposed that first pick. I mean, either they trade back, get some more picks, or go I, – I wouldn't have a problem if they went offensive line, truthfully. Yeah. I, I really wouldn't because, I, you know, I mean, just get quality people. If you get quality players, that's going to – you know, not the round peg, square hole bit. We did that, remember? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. this guy played they basketball, carry. and he played like a half a year of football. Oh, good. We'll pick him in the second round, you know, and, and, and then what? And then, it, again, it's it's round peg, square hole. It doesn't work. Yeah, you know, Nick Perry's perfect example of that round peg, square hole. Is he was a 4-3 three, three defensive end hanging in the dirt. Well, we're going to draft him. We're going to have him play outside linebacker, edge guy, where you look at Sweet or Sweat, um, uh, guy from Mississippi State, Montrez Sweat, yeah. he he reminds me a lot of that. He reminds me of a better, more athletic uh, Nick Perry. He's a guy that can get after the passer, but he can't do anything else you ask him an outside linebacker to do or right. I haven't really seen it yet. He doesn't drop back well. He can't really play coverage, and a smart offensive mind is going to take advantage of that if they're like, oh, He's on the right side. He's guaranteed he's going to be rushing my passer. I'm going right. to send the back over there. He's going to be wide open. But yeah. like you, I don't want the wrong pig square holes. And with like you, I wouldn't be surprised if you do go offensive linemen. You got Jonah Williams from Alabama, Jawan Taylor out of Florida. You got Dalton Risner, who would probably be around tail end of the first round out of Kansas State. Um, you, you have. Which I'm not. I'm more of a Dieter fan than I am David Edwards fan. But yeah. you got those local guys from Addison that can definitely. And you don't need to necessarily have a replacement for Bulaga, but you need someone that's reliable for the plays that Bulaga is going to miss, or the game or two that he's going to probably end up missing 
due to when he, you know, him being banged up. You know, when he's on the field, he's one of the best right tackles in football. But you do need, yeah. like, you know, you can put a, a Williams or a Risner or, you know, Dieter and a guard and then kick them out when you need to. Because there's the interior is where a lot of that pressure came from. And you've got to get a better guard play, get you know, get a better backup right tackle. And as you said, definitely certify that defense. And, you know, back to the combine quick, like you, I'm not overly – you know, pumping it up like it's the, you know, best thing ever. But I do watch it. I do follow it. But to me, it's just if I see a guy really stand out, you know, doing some of the drills, it just gives me – I have to do maybe do a little bit more research on them. And I think players – I think teams look at it that way too. You right. Know, we have yeah. this guy high on our board. He didn't test very well. Well, why didn't he test very well? Let's go back and look at the film. Let's talk to him. Let's see what's going on. Because, you know, you look at a guy like – and it's, I'm, I'm actually glad uh, Kyler Murray didn't throw because it would have been stupid of him to do any of the other drills at the combine. Because right. he hasn't really been training for it because he's been worried about getting that weight up. So he would have right. tested very poorly. He looked polite. He tested very poorly for whatever reason, and now there's talk he might fall into the second or third round, which if the Packers <laughs> get polite at the 30th pick or the 44th pick, that's a win for me because his films, to me, speak for itself. I'm not going to, like, sure. throw a guy away because he didn't test very well. And right, right. The, you know, the, the comments that he made, you know, you, you read it on paper, it doesn't look very good. But when you actually listen to him explain it, he was just saying what it was like. Hey, you know, this is what they're asking me. You know, I get it. They want to see how I react to certain questions. I get it. You know, that, that he wasn't complaining. He was just basically, hey, these are what they talked to me about. These are what they were showing me. These are what they wanted to know about me. And people automatically want to, like, rag him and say, oh, he's a poor, you know, he's a, a child. He's immature. He was just answering the question. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, talk, you know, talk about sports, but for those that, you know, don't know, and I know I've spoken to you before, you are the uh, head meteorologist for Channel 58 uh, in Milwaukee. Right, right. And it's been a very interesting uh, winter. And I kind of want to, you know, get a, I guess, professional take on it. So you had December, most of January, seemed to be kind of above normal. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's like winter's hit us, it's hit us hard, and now we're into March, and we're still getting hit pretty hard. So... You know, was this something that long-term-wise, when people are figuring out what type of winter this could be, is this something that they kind of anticipated all along, or did this kind of strike you all in the field by surprise that all of a sudden now we're getting dumped on in snow, these Arctic blasts, and all these things? Well, I I think the shocking part, it's not like we received, you know, 20 inches above normal of snow. It's just the fact that we had winter instead of, you know, meteorological winter, December 1st through the end of February. Um, we basically had winter starting, you know, let's just say um, the latter half of, of January all through February and then into early March. I mean, so really winter was concentrated over six weeks, and I think that was the real surprise. We got all of our snow, all of these several rounds of cold. The pattern just kind of shifted. 
and we just weren't able to, you know, break out, break out of the pattern. Um, so, you know, th- there obviously was some talk with, you know, developing, you know, El Nino uh, prior to the season that uh, even it was weak, um, that maybe there would be um, slightly above normal, you know, normal temperatures. But really when I was looking at the long-range forecast prior um, to winter starting, you know, you compare years that are kind of similar uh, than what you're than what you're seeing with the pattern, and then looking at El Nino, La Nina, or neutral conditions, and and it really had you know pretty much normal chances for you know for snow. And yeah, it, it is you know we will end up you know winter. I forgot what the official snowfall was for Milwaukee. Uh, you know our normal is 35 inches for December, January, and February. It was above it. But it wasn't anything extreme. But for the month of February, you know, we had just about 20 inches of, you know, of snow when the normal, you know, is about, you know, is about 10. So it was just a just a pretty big shock at the fact that we our winter was more or less delayed. But we are starting to see some signs, by the way, of warming up. These storm systems starting to change their pattern. Um, in fact, by the weekend, I mean, we're talking rain late in the day on Saturday um, around the Milwaukee metro area, snow to the north throughout uh, central and northern part, you know, parts of the state. Um, so it, it does look like we're starting to transition a little bit, but I just think it was just more shocking, the fact that it just happened in such a short amount of time. Yeah, and I guess you could say that the December kind of spoiled us a little bit, you know, a pretty yeah. warmer temperatures and to walk around in T-shirts at, at moments. But, yeah, I guess you can say December kind of spoiled us a little bit. But you use the term meteorog- meteorological winter, and now I, right. I've heard meteorological spring. What yep. do those terms need, mean, and how is it different than, well, the official first day of uh, winter is December 20th or whatever, like, what does that kind of mean? Like, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, the calendar obviously is going off the, uh, you know, the solstice. Um, whereas it's easier for meteorologists to kind of record records for three months. So meteorological winter, December, January, February. Okay, then we go into spring, March, April, May, and then so on and so forth. June, July, August, you know, for um, – you know, for summer. So it just makes the record keeping and being able to kind of tabulate normals and all of that um, a lot easier because um, with a calendar, sometimes it varies. Um, but at least if you're just looking at three months, it's just easier for comparison, you know, and, and record keeping. So, I mean, listen, it doesn't really feel like spring, you know, the first several weeks of March, typically not. But March is one of those months of extremes. I mean, you can – our normal right now should be close to 40 degrees, and we're sitting, you know, here today with a temperature barely getting to 20. Um, you know, yesterday, um, Milwaukee had a high of 11. Well, I mean, we were in the single digits most of the day, and it's very rare. I mean, to get highs in the single digits in March, it only happened six times in Milwaukee um, since the late 1800s. So this cold that we're experiencing right now, it is extreme. And um, But like I said, hopefully with a pattern shift, 
and we start uh, and we start to warm. It's almost like the switch will occur, and you know, and then we start to you know we start to moderate. So hopefully that first home home series for the Brewers, you know, that last week of uh, last week of March, maybe we can get some somewhat decent tailgating weather. Yeah, don't have to tailgate in parkas and uh, snow boots. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's exactly right. Save that for Green Bay, I guess. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really hear the term until I think that I I want to say 2014. I want to say the last time you know I heard the term polar vortex, but right you know, once again we get a polar vortex that hits us once again where you got wind chills in the negative 50s and 60s. Right, right. Um, what is that like? What occurs? I guess that you have this Arctic air dipping this far far south because to me the arctic air needs to stay up in the arctic area that's just my yeah yeah i (laughs) know i i agree i mean we when we had those temperatures in january as cold as they were um you know we rivaled 96 um where we had that bout of some very very cold air but you know it, it depends on the jet stream winds and there's a circulation throughout the arctic and when those when those winds either weaken or strengthen, that can uh, determine you know the the type of Arctic push that we uh, you know that we got, and it just happened to line up where um, you know the the way the pattern shifted, the way the jet stream was, we just were you know in that in that shot of cold air and and in in weather it's funny like the polar vortex has always existed it just got a lot of hype um back several years ago because of the cold and because of the big winter storm blizzards that that were being um that developed along the east coast it's like el nino back in the back in the mid 90s right nobody nobody ever talked about el nino but there's there's always been an El Nino, La Nina, or neutral conditions. So in the media, we tend to kind of gravitate on extremes. And if there's an extreme like Arctic air, well, the correct you know term would be you know the polar vortex. And obviously, people you know that's all people remember. So hopefully, you know, the last time we had that real nasty air was '96. So that was what, 20-some years ago? So hopefully, um, you know, we, we've got another 20 years before we have that type of cold again, right? Yeah, I hope so. Or, like I said, the Arctic can kind of keep it. You know, that's fine by me. Um, right, can just right. Keep that air. So, you know, I got a lot of, you know, a lot of weather-type questions running through my head. I just can't really word it how I want to word it, I guess. So, I, I think it was AccuWeather, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was AccuWeather last week was talking about how this could be a more active season down in the in, this, in the tornado alley for uh, tornadoes. Um, is there really a way to tell? Because I know tornadoes just, you know, can happen out of the blue. We just saw some nasty ones go through Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia area. Right. Is there really a way to tell on March 5th that – June, July tornado season is going to be higher than average type tornadoes. Is there really a way to tell that? I mean, unless you know the position of the jet stream and the strength of the jet stream, that's that's very hard to do. Um, I 
I tend to stay away from AccuWeather. Uh, I think at times they, um, you know, they have these long, long range forecasts, and I just teach his own. Uh, some of that becomes hyperbole. Um, you know, in order to get big, severe weather outbreaks, you need um, very strong winds aloft at 30,000 feet. You need deep moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and you need some some way to, uh, and you need a lot of wind shear in order to to create rotation within um, within storms. So, if they feel like the jet stream is going to be super active and the pattern is going to keep that jet across the southeast and the mid south, um, then sure. I mean, then you could say, well, yeah, there probably would be an elevated chance for, you know, tornadoes and stuff like that. But um, I, I, there's really no way of, um, you know, of knowing that. So I just, I, I thought that was a little, it's kind of a misrepresentation. Um, now that doesn't mean we won't see severe weather. Like you said, we just had that violent tornado that went, you know, uh, it, throughout Alabama, across the southeast. And people need to keep in mind, you know, we're very fortunate because we have, um, you know, we've got basements up here. Folks in the south don't have basements. They don't dig basements. You can dig a storm shelter, but that costs $5,000. In these rural areas where people are very poor, they don't have the means for that. I mean, $5,000, that's a luxury. It's a luxury for most of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people live in mobile homes. They live in trailers. And even if they were to get a warning, they may not have the means um, to go to a proper shelter. Um, I worked in the Mid-South for 13 years. I, I got my severe weather experience living in Arkansas for 13 years, and, uh, and that's, that's a big deal, you know? I mean, they just don't dig foundations like they do up here. The soil is different. It's just they do concrete slabs, and that's what they do. So that was a very tragic you know, type of type of situation, um, and hopefully that's not a precursor to the season coming. Yeah, hopefully not. And you're talking about down south about storm cellars. Well, if you get even further south, like southern, like in Louisiana, um, southern Alabama, Mississippi, now you're talking about being below sea level, and you know those are the reasons yeah. why you know cemeteries down in the deep, deep south are above ground. Like they don't dig great. Like they don't dig actual grave. Right. They do. I forget the terms for like. Uh, but they have like above ground things for yep. things like that because you can't really dig below ground too much when you're talking nope. below sea level. So. You're right. <laughs> uh, well, I do want to you know say thank you for coming on. Uh, hopefully, yeah, glad to do it. It wasn't too much of out of you know too much of a a hassle for you. I know you're pretty busy and whatnot, especially with the you know the weather coming up. You know, being chief meteorologist for you know Channel 58. So I do want to thank you for for coming on, it's always nice, you know, chatting with you, either in sports or uh, kind of teasing you a little bit about the the weather, you and then one of your counterparts on Channel 12. Uh, I always give you guys a hard time when the, you know, weather's getting pretty bad. Like, you know, why are you doing oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. We, we All we ask is we'll take the, we'll take the blame when it's, you know, when it's crappy, but when it's really nice and it's 70 and sunny, just give us a nod, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take it. It all evens out. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, no, you know, I'm going to give you and Mark crap for the bad stuff, and uh, 
you know, give uh, Lindsay credit for the good stuff. That's how I'd rather do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, kidding, you know, what, however you'd like to do it, yeah. <laughs> so again, uh, you know, if people do want to follow you uh, on Twitter. Like, how can they? How can they find you? Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, CBS58 Drew. So um, okay. it's uh, pretty pretty simple, and uh, I'm very interactive on on Twitter. So, and I'm very active in the schools. There's nobody else right now. I mean, we're doing 50 schools this year, and we're going to impact about 15,000 kids. Um, we got weather day coming up April 17th. We'll have over 10,000 kids there. And then I make an appearance with the admirals for the kids day coming up next week. I'm going to do a little experiment for them and there'll be probably seven or 8,000 kids there. So my, my passion is going out, um, educating and, um, I'm extremely busy, but I love it. And we're interacting and, and people are noticing that, you know, we're getting out and really um, and visiting. So it's, uh, it's been a wonderful thing. It's close to 50, basically it's 100 schools in the last two years. So, Yeah, and I definitely, you know, I've always been intrigued by weather. Like I've always enjoyed learning about it, and there's a lot to learn about weather and climate and all that, and especially the time that we're in now with the different technologies that we have now. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for people to learn, uh, especially – with some of the misinformation that gets thrown out there about the climate and the right. difference between weather and climate and things like that. So I think it's very important to uh, to learn and be informed and not just uh, pay attention to the people that, I guess, don't really know, I guess. And that's yep. why you know, yep. I just enjoy you know, learning and, you know, speaking with you about it. Like, I, I, I yeah. don't know if you've been on any podcast or radio show that you're talking about the polar vortex and you know things like that but i think it's important to know you know just my yeah no i i agree and i I appreciate appreciate you inviting me on and i'm actually going to wrap up and uh i got to go on tv myself so (laughs) yeah so i was going to say you guys uh we're going to cut it cut it out now because i know you got to go uh you know get your weather forecast going so you know again i want to say thank you and uh look forward to connecting with you in the future that sounds good. Hope you have a great day. Thank you, sir. So that was right. Drew Bogorn with yep, see ya. That was uh Drew Bogorn, Channel fifty eight, uh chief meteorologist and uh, I wanna thank him once again for coming on. I'll, always great to talk to Drew, um what's with what's going on with the weather and it's also as you can tell, fun talking to him about sports too. He uh really knows what he's talking about, really knows his stuff and uh Hope you enjoyed this show. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at uh, at Evan Witt Sports, at E-V-A-N-W-I-T uh, Sports. Give me a follow. Let me know. Uh, and I, you know, just one quick plug before I go. I am a health and fitness uh, coach. I want to help people who are trying to live healthier lifestyles. I recently uh, lost 100 and 45 pounds, uh, did put some back on, but now losing again. Um, and I want to help other people do the same. It's hard to lose weight and it's hard to do it. And I'm here to sit in your corner and I'm here to, uh, to help you and encourage you. And if you want to, uh, get some help, you want to learn how I did it, then you can uh, shoot me an email, coach Evan six, six at gmail.com. So with that said, Thank you all for listening, and I will get back at you at some other time. Uh, Thank you so much. See ya.